Hi friends, it's another episode of We're Going There. Uh, Before we dive into the topic at hand, let me first just celebrate a moment with you. This podcast will be almost one year old in two weeks and I can't believe it. This started as a wish, a dream, and a prayer, and now we are three seasons in and over 500,000 downloads. From Israel to Istanbul, Oklahoma to Oregon, spending time talking to you has truly been my gift. Uh, My goal in the beginning was just to do one season, just one, and now here we are a year later about to celebrate our first birthday, which also coincides with my wedding anniversary to Matthew Ray Oltoff, and also coincides with the Father's House OC's third birthday. Clearly, September is my jam. Friends, it is going to be a literal week of celebration. I'm releasing three podcasts to end out our third season and to celebrate our one year as a podcast. I hope you can tune in and celebrate with us. On today's show, I'm truly honored to have a discussion with retired ABC News correspondent and host of The View, Paula Ferris. She's in a new season of her life, but she walks us through the power of a pivot and what she's learned as she's walked away from broadcast journalism to honor a new season of life. I have to admit I was geeking out as I prepared for this interview. Growing up, I always wanted to be a broadcast journalist, and I would fastidiously study the news anchors of the day. I'm talking Connie Chong, Bree Walker, and Diane Sawyer. In fact, when I told my mother I was going to interview Paula, she told me that she had an old audio cassette recording I made at the age of nine years old, pretending to be Bree Walker and Connie Chung. What possessed a nine-year-old brown girl to pretend to be a middle-aged Korean woman? The power of telling the news and believing my voice mattered. The audio quality, I admit, is horrific, but here's my attempt at fulfilling my dreams of becoming a broadcast journalist. And mother, thank you for saving this recording and believing that one day my dream would come true. Another report about Rodney King. Today, April 1st, 1981, Reverend Baker marched Main Street blocking cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Reverend Baker and a lot of other people went to the LAPD Unit 5, but the police would not let Reverend Baker and the crowd of a couple hundred people in. Reverend Baker said, and I remember his words, we will be back to fight white men against black men. The jury punished men that hurt Rodney King and sentenced the six men that almost killed Ronnie King to 20 years in jail, and we are <laughs> waiting for more info. info. Thank you. Yours truly, B. Walker. With Diana Ross. Can we please address the fact that I sang my own outro news song? <laughs> Or why on earth I was discussing race relations as a nine-year-old, quoting, we are black men fighting white men. Bless my heart. Years later, and in my own way and version of doing it, I am telling the news. The good news. But in my heart, my dreams of becoming a journalist are fulfilled as I get to interview Paula Ferris. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about pivoting. To really understand pivots in personal life, we first have to understand and define what pivots are from a business perspective. So from a business perspective, pivot is defined as a fundamental change in strategy. The idea of a pivot is changing the direction of your quote business, or as I like to say, your life, while staying grounded in your vision and learned facts. It's very important to understand that a pivot doesn't only mean a change or a shift in a new business idea but a systematic change in strategy while deeply considering all the facts that you've learned along the way. Pivots in your life don't mean failure. They mean opportunity and they stand for visions. 
They include your crazy ideas and even new beginnings. Pivoting is for the dreams you never thought can come to pass, but you believe that they should. When you're faced with the opportunity to pivot, you're also faced with a lot of unsolicited advice. Let's have honest, real conversation. Advice from friends, family, and coworkers that you didn't ask for, that you didn't want, but now you have an insane amount of pressure that has been put on the situation. Then there's the advice that you do ask for, the advice that you're hoping people will just co-sign on your dream rather than tell you the truth about what they think. Now, this is the moment where you either can play, I don't understand, I don't care, or maybe even devil's advocate. What I want you to know is that it's okay to ask for advice in the middle of a pivot. It's okay to hear unsolicited advice and let it go in one ear and out the other. Most importantly, it's okay not to let anyone else's opinion affect you. To know that while your opinions may hold value, they may be important, that doesn't always warrant that you take it and apply it to your life. Here are four reasons why you should feel confident in pivoting in crucial moments of your life. Number one, you are the only one who has to live with it. You live with what you decide, plain and simple. No one else has to live with the decision that you make. That being said, if you decide to listen to someone else's opinion over your own knowing that your heart is elsewhere, you will be sorry, friend. Number two, the fear that you're feeling means you're interested. You ask for other people's opinions because you're scared of pushing or pulling yourself into something unknown. So what do you do? You ask others for answers and hope that someone will have the perfect formula for your success rather than just knowing the fear that you're feeling means you're interested. So trust it and go for it. Worst comes to worst, you have to pivot again. Three, you are the one getting feelings, not them. Trust your gut. Your body and mind are telling you to pivot for a reason. A lot of times our body tells us when something needs to change. We get that, quote, breakup feeling in the pit of our stomach and we can't stop overthinking. Being okay with your gut decisions is more important than pleasing someone else's ego or advice. Four, you are the only one taking on true investment. Whether that is your time or your money, respect it. Invest only in things that will hold power and value to your life. Listen, let's get real. No one will understand you dropping $5,000 on a mastermind if they never have. No one will understand you spending 100 free hours on a yoga certification if they haven't done it themselves. No one will understand it but you. Trust your gut. Trust your heart. Trust your mind. Don't doubt it. Trust your gut. If that's what you need to do to move the needle in your business, your life, or relationships, then do it. No matter the similarities of someone else's life to yours, they will always be different. Regardless of the experience someone else has, you need to experience it for yourself. While we live in a world full of opinions, I know you know that your opinion of yourself and of your life matters the most. I can't wait for you to learn from Paula Ferris, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I had interviewing her. You can call me a dirty trucker and I won't care. I'm fine, I'm fine with whatever. So, so I'm literally, I'm cutting that soundbite and I'm putting it as part of the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a great interview. <laughs> I don't care. I like, I, I, so often, you know, I've interviewed people and I'm like, can I have a list of the questions beforehand? And I just think it really takes all the surprise and the, the organic yes. of the interview out of it. I don't like canned interviews. And I and I also, I'm like there, I don't care where you go. We can go wherever you want to go with it. So, oh, I love know, it. Let's have fun. 
I'm here for it. I am an Enneagram seven. So you just said the F word and I am here <laughs> for the fun. Okay. Actually, you know what? Let's not even do like a, let's not even do like a formal intro. Like we're rolling with this and yes, this is how I we're going to start. Whole, our, yeah. This is all part of the podcast. This is, this is the beauty The you know, we're checking our levels. We're talking about whatever we want to talk about. You don't need to do an intro. Okay. Well, We're this there. is something that you haven't heard, but in my intro of you, um, I play an audio soundbite from 1991. I am a news reporter. I'm actually Connie Chung. Do you remember Connie Chung? I loved Connie Chung. Yeah, yes. So I was probably like eight or nine years old and mm-hmm. I am a reporter. I am a Korean woman, That's apparently. Amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. And yeah. so I am excited because I followed your journey from Good Morning America to The View. I loved your interview with Bozema St. John at the Global Leadership oh. Summit in 2019. Oh, you saw that. That's I was awesome. sitting in the yeah, second row Bose. next to mm-hmm. Carrie Newhoff. And, you know, here's this like white middle aged Canadian guy. And I'm like amening her as she's talking. Yes. I thought the interview was so good. You did such an oh, amazing thank job. You. Um, So take us on this journey. Most of us know Paula Ferris as news anchor, host of The View, or any of the stuff that we know now. But one of the things I'm really honing in on this season is not the what, but the who. So how how did you become the Paula Ferris that we know now today? Take us on that journey of like how you started. Well, there's also the Paula Ferris that just blew up her life and moved from New York City to a small town, South Carolina. Oh, we're going to get there. Oh, we are going to get there. Yes. Uh So you grew up knowing that you wanted to be Connie Chung. I didn't even know to dream for that. It wasn't even in the realm of possibility. I didn't even think about going into broadcasting until I was in high school, Bianca. My high school drama teacher, his name is Mr. Barsoon, would cast me as the narrator in almost all of our school productions. And I'm like, come on, I can act. I'm an actress. And he's like, no, you narrate. You tell stories well. This is what he was telling me. You tell stories well. You have good inflection, intonation. You're good at, um, you know, just pulling the audience in, making them feel like they're part of it. And he said, you should go into broadcasting. And I was like, huh, okay. Well, literally that's the first time it it entered my mind was when I was a junior in high school. And so then I enrolled in broadcasting in college, but even then the fear started to, you know, to invade. And I was like, yeah, I can't be on air. I'll work behind the scenes. I'll do something behind the scenes. So my emphasis in college was in production, shooting, Mm. editing, writing, um, whatever, but it was, it was rarely in front of the camera because I was so insecure. And so I didn't have any confidence. Um, my self-esteem was so low, but I just, I just was so scared of the failure too. I was like, what if I say something stupid? People think I can't hack it. I just, you know, I don't, I don't have what said. I don't want to fail in front of millions of people. So I didn't really pursue on air work until nine 11 happened. And I was working in radio sales at the time. So out of college, I did a couple of rando jobs in the communication slash broadcasting world. I worked at a video production company. I worked at an ad agency as the broadcast coordinator. And then I was doing radio sales. And it was when that's when 9-11 happened. I was doing radio sales. And I just, all of us will remember where we were when the news broke. And I was in Dayton, Ohio, working in radio sales um, for a station in Columbus, which was just about a 45 minute commute away and just gripped by the coverage. And I just said, you know, I, I finally 
felt that call on my life that so many had people had seen that dream for me of being on air before I saw it for myself, before Mm. I believed it. And that was the first time I decided to pursue it. And so I was like, you know, I told my husband, I said, I'm going to quit my job. And I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have something waiting for me. So I quit my job and I was making really great money in radio sales. And I just applied to the local affiliates in Dayton, Ohio. I applied to all of them. I got a call back from one. It took a while. So in the meantime, just to make any money, I was substitute teaching, which I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> um, wait, I, wait I have to know what grade? Because there, there's, there's like a higher Middle school. Oh God, that's like purgatory. That's like hell. No, it really is. I have two middle schoolers right now. It is like purgatory. I served Um, in junior high ministry. So I just, I was like, I did my time. I felt like it was prison. You know, I did my time, uh, never going to do it again. (laughs) You know, looking back, like middle school is so awkward for me. You know, all those hormones are raging for, for guys and girls. It's just, yeah, it's just really awkward. But I got a call back from one of the stations in Dayton, Ohio, it was a NBC slash Fox affiliate. And he's like, yes, um, we want to interview you for the PA job as a production assistant, which is like below man on the totem pole. So I just said, you know what? I just need to get my foot in the door. I had quit my job. I was making at the time, like 50 or 60,000 a year, which is great money for, especially I'm talking to like 2000. I was 25 years old. I was crushing it. And he's like, yep, we can pay you minimum wage, which I believe at the time was like $7 an hour. So I go from a really great salary to seven bucks an hour doing all the grunt work known to man. And I had told him in the interview, I said, I eventually want to report. That's why I'm getting back into news. And he said, well, it won't happen here. It's too big of a market. And I didn't anticipate it to happen in Dayton, Ohio, but because I knew how to shoot, because I knew how to edit and produce, because that's what I emphasized in college, I assembled a, a resume reel. So in the real world, you hand somebody a paper resume In TV, you hand them a cassette tape. If you're in radio or not a cassette tape, gosh, I'm totally dating myself. <laughs> you send them an audio clip or in television, you, you would send them um, like a VHS tape at the time, really dating myself or a beta tape or video reel of your work. And so I handed him a reel and I said, I put this together. I had conducted interviews. I had shot my own standups. Um, I had edited it. And he's like, you did this by yourself. I said, yeah, you can do all that. I can one man band is the term for it. <laughs> and he said, make me another tape. And I was in the process of making, assembling another reel for him, shooting interviews and shooting standups. And, and he put me on the air. So that's how it happened. Wow. Like 2000, 2001. So okay. 2001. So you were in the Midwest market. This yes. I'm the case. Okay, so inquiring minds are, we have to know, this is going out of the order and the narrative, but I'm dying to know. Most people will want to know like, Hey, what was your favorite interview? I want to know what was your worst interview? Like what is the interview that you wish? Like if I could just take that back. I can't, I don't know if I should name names because he's a really popular. Oh, the title of the podcast is we're going there. So, I mean, you have, you literally have a moratorium on anyone posting or tweeting anything about this comment. Um, he, was on a very popular Fox show called 24. That's all it was. <gasps> okay. The it was worst. bad. It was bad. It was, this is when I was at GMA too. And it was bad because I was really uncomfortable. It was one of those where the publicist doesn't do their client a favor. And like, you think you're going there with a line of questioning. And then they want to ask your line of questioning beforehand, which I never, I never divulge my hand, but this particular interview, I said, well, we want to talk about this and this and this. And like, you can't talk about this, this, or this. And 
the client said, you, I'm not talking about this, this, or this. And I was like, oh dear God. So started to go a little bit better, but it was very, very awkward and tenuous <laughs> at first. Very awkward. Okay. I can't, so I, can't, I can't give everything away, but it was, it was, it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been during an interview. I love this candor. I love this honesty. And I love that I could actually piece together who you're probably talking about. Okay. So you mentioned GMA. So you were in the Midwest market, Dayton, Ohio, right? Dayton, Ohio, and then Cincinnati, Ohio, and then Chicago. Okay. So then you take this, this leap of faith to leave the Midwest market and you end up in New York, correct? It's like, where am I? I have no family, no friends in New York. My husband and I didn't. So your, your husband's name is John, correct? His name is John. Okay. So you leave comfortability in the Midwest market that you know, and you pursue this calling in New York. What did that mean for John? Did he stay in the Midwest or where did he go? John is a saint. Um, (laughs) And our motto, John and I are both Midwest kids. We went to college together. He played basketball. I was in the broadcasting program. So I was always checking him out because we had to produce all the men's (laughs) basketball games. We, yeah, he was coaching basketball when we first got married. And then when I got the call to move to Chicago, he said, you know what? You've got a cool thing going. Let's, I'm willing to, to change careers. I'll get into real estate in in Chicago. So he did real estate in Chicago. And then we never thought we'd leave the Midwest because I'm a Michigan girl. He's an Indiana guy. And I had an opportunity. I had several opportunities to go to New York and I, I, either intentionally sabotage the interviews or I just didn't go. I never wanted to move to New York. My motto was I like to visit, but I love to leave. I'm just not a New York girl. <gasps> you know, I'm yes. weird. I just no, like, I, I love that in my backyard. I, it's just not my scene, but I look, it was a very special chapter in my life. But anyway, um, our situation had changed a little bit. My situation was changing at work. I didn't really love the direction of where they wanted me to go. And out of the blue, I had an opportunity to interview again. This woman was so persistent. She had been, she'd been pursuing me for years. I said, fine, I'll go on the interview. And John went to, and we just, I can't describe it other than we just had an overwhelming sense of peace. We were supposed to go, even Mm -hmm. though we didn't really want to go. It didn't really make sense. We, we had two little kids that were four and two. And I was going to work at the network at ABC news to do their overnight show, which I didn't even know they had an overnight show. So I was <laughs> going to work third shift. Um, I would go into work at 9 PM, get home around 9 AM. It was, I can't describe it other than we just felt God calling us there. Mm. We had a peace in our spirit. So, and John, God love him. It's hard to find a man of faith who's willing to, it's not that he gave up everything for my career and it was my career. I felt like it was our journey, mm. but he said, I want you to pursue this. Let's pursue this. And it yeah. meant he had to leave real estate, commercial or residential real estate. And so here he started out as a basketball coach, coached for six years. We moved to Chicago and then he starts doing residential real estate. And then we get called to New York and he's like, I'm not going to do residential. It's just not his like New York residential real estate is it's a beast. So he ends up getting into commercial real estate. And it's been really cool to see how God has blessed him and blessed his faithfulness to our journey. Mm. It's not like he was following me. I don't feel like he was following me. He was actually just elevating me and being, you know, true head of the household who, I mean, when you really look at the scripture, you know, it's laying down your life for somebody. That's what he did. He laid down his life and laid Mm. down his pride. And he said, and it was a, it was a decision together that we decided 
to, to move to New York. And now here we are blowing up our life and living in small rural town in South Carolina that this all happened during the pandemic. So you never know where God can lead you. I love this part of your story because I think like so much within like modern Christianity postulates that women follow men. And that wasn't your story. It felt like you guys were both pursuing this united call and 100%. the fruit is in his success in New York. So, right. okay. So you moved your whole life to New York and you were there for how many years? Uh, nine years almost. Okay. Just about nine years. Mm -hmm. And then again, like you kind of had like that nudge from Chicago to New York, you began having a nudge. Uh, there Sorry, was some my dog coming in the door. I need to put some WD 40 on the door. It's really I, I love that your dog is in your office because my dog's in my office right now before the interview, who's actually on my lap. This is, this is hilarious. Let's she's so needy. <gasps> oh, how cute. Okay. I know this is not, this is not, uh, people cannot see actually, you know what? I'm going to freeze frame this and make it a, a photo that's going to be part of this interview because this dog is ador adorable. So, okay. So when you went through the crazy season, you need to take a picture, Addie smile. Oh, oh, we are. Yes. I love it. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So you are working, um, you're working on the weekends for GMA. You're working for the view life is moving in hyperdrive, right? Did you start getting like a, a, a nudge, a, a holy hunch, like a feeling that you, that at some point your calling had consumed your life? If heading back into the office kind of gives you a little bit of anxiety because you're like, I've been living in sweats and yoga pants for the last year, don't worry. I heard about this great company I'm telling you about. It's called Beta Brand. It is for busy women who want to look polished and put together, but don't have time to deal with uncomfortable clothing. In fact, I usually record all of my podcasts wearing these Beta Brand pants. I think that they are so incredibly comfortable and it gives that faux illusion of you looking put together while still being mighty comfortable. Right now, our listeners get 30% off their Beta Brand orders when they go to betabrand.com slash going there. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash going there for 30% off your order for a limited time. And when you use that special URL, you're also helping support this show. Me and producer Madi love you. Discover what it's like to be comfortable and confident while in your work environment. Go to betabrand.com slash going there for 30% off. A hundred percent. Yeah. I felt that I was burnt out. Now it wasn't that I was burnt out and hated my job. I was consumed by my job. It had become an addiction. I say it had become my narcotic of choice. It became mm. about the accolade and the accomplishment and the spotlight and, you know, how many trophies you can have in your office from your different awards. And I was just like, I don't love who I've become. You know, what good is it for a, a man to gain the world or a woman to gain the world, but to lose her soul lose in the process. Soul. And I mm -hmm. truly felt like that. Look, I think you can be quote unquote successful and strike balance. But for me, the way that I had gone about it, unfortunately, I had lost sight of who I was and the person that I wanted to be. And my values were clashing fiercely with the choices that I was making professionally and personally. So I was like, okay, I had sensed in my spirit, just like we had a piece in our spirit. Where we were supposed to go to New York. I had this peace in my spirit that I was supposed to slow down. I didn't really know what that looked like, but I felt God saying, I need you to walk away from the view. And I need you to walk away from angering good morning America. And I was like, wait, what? Like, didn't you call me here? Why would you have me tap out? Like mm. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so it didn't matter that yes, my values were clashing with my choices. I was having health issues and health struggles. Wait, um, is it true that somebody threw an apple at your head? Oh, that's coming. That's coming. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's Let's all part the of the journey. Okay. Okay. No, that's all right. I love it. You just gave them a teaser. I did. I did. They're yeah, going to listen long. They're going to listen to the very end. 
And Apple a day didn't keep the doctor away from me, <laughs> actually brought on the doctor. So yeah, I felt this, this nudge that I was supposed to slow down, but my fear, fear of what other people thought of me, once again, the fear crept in. Well, people think that I'm stepping away because I can't handle it, um, that I couldn't hack it. Now I, God, and surely I'm misconstruing what you're saying. Like you wouldn't call me here only to call me out. Mm. And then it was a C I, I, I decided to put my head down and work even harder. And then God allowed a series of tragic events to happen in my life. I write about it in my book. It's a season of hell for me within seven months. I had five major events happen to me. One was a miscarriage with an emergency surgery right before I'm supposed to interview Sean Spicer. It's like his first exclusive after he's left the white house. Um, the next incident was the apple that you had just aforementioned. I was getting ready to go live for good morning America on wall street. And about 10 seconds before I went live, um, some kids, uh, they were on their way to school, whipped an apple at my head. The police said, the NYPD looked at the surveillance video and said it was traveling about 60 miles an hour. So I took a basically oh. a 60 mile an hour fastball to like the side of my head. Um, I was concussed. I was out of work for three weeks. The day I got cleared to go back to work, I get in a head-on car crash. Then I get influenza, which turned into pneumonia. And I was like, all right, God, I'm going to wave that white flag right now. Yeah. I know if I'm not going to slow down, like God knew he was going to have to slow me down and that's what he did. And so that's when I decided to pump the brakes yeah. and walk into kind of a season of obscurity. I told my bosses, I said, I can't do GMA in the view. I just need to be a general course, but I just need to get my life back. And so that was 2018. And then last year I left ABC news officially um, the end of the year and moved to small town, South Carolina. Okay. Family. So this is like the pivot point. This is like your now, how did that change your perspective? And then what was kind of like the, the final straw where you're like, I don't think New York is home. And remind me of the question. I was dying when you um, asked. So, so you moved from New York to South Carolina. Mm -hmm. How did your yep. perspective change? I mean, clearly COVID played a role yep. in that, but totally. Well, look, I'll just be honest, Bianca. I, the, the change in 2018 was my choice. The change last year wasn't, it's a painful path. Sometimes it's a blow to your ego and gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want. And that's what happened with us. I didn't get re-signed by ABC and it was really shocking. And there are some things I can't really get into as to why, but it was unexpected. I thought mm. I'd be there a couple more years actually, but um, it just didn't work out that way. And so when we came down to South Carolina, when COVID hit, I was at ABC until the end of 2020, um, but this is March of 2020 and the world has just shut down. Mm -hmm. And so we said, let's go down to South Carolina. My sister lives in South Carolina and my husband being in real estate had bought some investment property down here. So we're like, let's go stay there and we'll come back. You know, we, we brought like four changes of clothes. <laughs> GMA had said, you guys and ABC had said, don't come into work. You guys can work remotely from, you know, for the foreseeable future. Well, we get down here and we're just, we just start feeling this peace that the Lord wanted us to stay. Mm. And we weren't sure why, because a, I knew like my job was back in New York, but also it was ending at the end of the year. And like that we have a house in New York, like our kids are invested in New York. They're in schools. They have great friends. We didn't have jobs down here. We have my sister, but we just really felt God saying stay and trust me and obey. And so we're like, all right, we'll just blow it on up God. And it's kind of what we've done. And it, again, the, the, the pain point was the change that was, that was chosen for me. That was probably the main impetus for staying down here is like, I, 
I knew my job at ABC was coming to an end. So it gave me the flexibility to, to branch out and do some new things too. And living down here, the cost of living is exponentially lower. It's like 90% mm-hmm. lower. So, you know, move to a small town where the, where the cost of living is, is exponentially lower than where we were living in New York. So it's just been an interesting journey. My husband, his job has been really great. Um, he's been able to, to travel back and forth to New York. He's actually in New York right now. Um, but they've been super flexible with him and it's just, but it was that still small voice, just telling us to stay and obey. And it's been so cool to see doors open up. I mean, I had, it's not like God showed me the the next chapter at all, or showed my husband the next chapter. He just said, stay, obey, trust me. And so we were like, okay, God, we're going to stay. And out of the blue, I get an opportunity to, to host a podcast. I mean, out of the blue and um, which has been great, just a great outlet for me, but I get to be a mom and it's a, it's a great season of life. I get to really sew into my children. It's been such a blessing. It's again, been a total 180 and, you know, you can reconcile sorrow with joy at the same time. You know, I'm so grateful for the last chapters of our life. Um, you know, the New York chapter and it didn't necessarily end the way I thought it would, but it was a, it was a wonderful chapter And, you know, I'm excited about this new chapter and this new season. You can reconcile joy with sorrow at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. So I can be excited about what God has in store and still a little sad of how things ended. That's okay. It's part of the story. It's part of the journey. Hey friends, interrupting the podcast with a special update. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join millions of people who are seeing what therapy really is about. See if it's for you, because you're your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash WGT. That's betterhelp.com slash WGT. So I think you do such a great job in, in your book about separating uh, vocational calling. Can you kind of like in, mm-hmm. in a nutshell, can you explain that? Because I think this word calling feels very nebulous. It feels like a Christian buzzword right now. It's a total Christian buzzword. Right. Okay. And I'm like, uh-huh. it's, and it's so nebulous. So when um, my husband and I, we started a church two years ago and we know that we want to do like a calling series, but every time we, we try to unpack it, it's just. Oh, sister, you need me to, I'll come down and speak. Please you let me listen. Okay. Every podcast listener heard this. Paula Ferris <laughs> said she will come and speak at the father's house. I will. Okay. I will speak at the father's house because it's something I'm so passionate about because when we hear the word calling, we automatically equate it to career right. and churches throw that word around so casually. And yet, how do you even describe what it is outside of, Oh, what am I called to do? it's my career. What has God called me to do? What's that one thing? I thought it was broadcasting. And when I pumped the brakes in 2018 and then things changed, you know, like God doesn't call us to just do one thing throughout our Mm -hmm. life. God calls us to be 
the light and love of Jesus. That won't change, but the doing changes. And yet we continually in society and culture and church, you know, what is that one thing God has called you to do? What's your name? What do you do for a living? We ask our kids, what do you do when you grow up? And so when I was, after I had stepped away from GMA and the view, I really, it, it was, it was, you know, I was angry at God, A, that he took me away from this one thing that I was good at. The, the only thing I thought I was good at, right? This is the one thing that I was created for God. You called me to this. And I realized then that we have two callings. We have a faith calling and we have a vocational calling. Faith calling is who we are. It's why we're here. It's to love God, love people. It never changes. All right. That's essentially our purpose to love God, love people. That's who we are. But the, what we do is our vocational calling and vocational calling will change. It can change. And so if we put too much of our identity into something that changes, like our vocational calling, guess what? We're bound to have an identity crisis, which is what happened to me when mm. I stepped away. I was like, I'm yeah. no, no longer have these fancy titles and I didn't know who I was outside of it. So within that, I just think God gave me permission that Paula, I have created you uniquely and I've given you unique talents and gifts. And I'm going to call you to, to on different vocational branches in different seasons of life, but you need to know who you are first outside of those things. And so I, I equate it to, I love the visual of a vine and branches and it's very biblical, but a healthy vine produces many branches, but think of the vine, like your faith calling. It's who you are. It's love God, and love people. That's your purpose. Okay. A healthy vine produces many branches. Hmm. You'll have many vocational branches in your life. God will call you to do many different things, but you always have that branch in order to stay healthy has to stay rooted in who it is and why it's there. It's there to bring the light and love of Jesus Christ and to love God and love people wherever that branch grows. And so God is going to call you to do different things. I feel like God's called me to really sow into my children and hmm. launch a podcast in a company, which I, I'm not a business person. I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't know the first thing about it, but God's like, you're not getting, that's not your worth and your value anyway. And if I call you to do something, I'll equip you. So it's just given me a permission slip to, to look at um, vocational season, vocational calling in a totally different way. And to really contextualize it when we're talking about our calling, we're talking about our vocational calling or our faith calling, because when God calls you to do something, that's vocational calling and it, and your vocation is going to change throughout your life, sisters and brothers. <laughs> it can, and it, and it will change. Don't get your significance from something that's going to shift and shake. And, and if you, one thing that's helped me is asking myself these three questions, what am I good at? What do I love? And what do other people notice I'm good at? And I love, and that will uncover your, wait, say that again, because that okay. is hold on. What you're doing right now is freeing people because this calling feels really big, but these three questions literally are arrows like, like down the yellow brick road. Say okay. them again. It, I say they're the three keys to really uncovering your unique talents and gifts and also vocational calling. What are you good at? What do you love? And what do trusted people notice that you're good at and you love? That's now great. I've done a lot of things I'm good at, but I don't love them. I'm not being called into that area. I have a dear friend who is a business correspondent. She's brilliant. She should be a consultant professionally and personally. Other people have noticed this about her. She's good at it. I said, you're good at it. Other people notice you're good at it. She said, but I don't love it. Okay. Don't, that's not where you're being called to that particular yeah. area. But for me, when I ask myself those questions, what am I good at and what do I love and what do other people notice I'm good at and I love it's not, oh, I'm a good broadcaster or I'm a good math teacher. It's I'm curious. I like to ask questions. I like to champion and challenge people. My nickname growing up was Paula 20 questions. It's what I'm good at. It's what I love. And it's what other people notice I'm good at. And I love, so I take that 
to every branch vocationally. And it has given me a permission slip and freedom to go for things, Bianca, that I never thought that I could do Hmm. because I know it's not my worth at the end of the day. My value isn't just the vocation. My worth isn't just my work. My calling isn't just my career, but I know God has given me unique gifts and talents. God has given you unique gifts and talents. What are you good at? What do you love? Ask yourself those questions. Peel back the layers. It's not, I'm a good engineer. I'm a good doctor. Well, what makes you a good doctor? My brother-in-law is a physician. He he's a fixer. He loves to analyze people and things, and he loves to fix people and things. And guess what? That's translated into a vocational branch of being a physician, but God can use him so many in so many different vocational branches, his, his love of, and the fact that he is skilled at and gifted at fixing things and people. So you just have to peel back those layers and stop seeing yourself on such a linear level. Like I need to be a teacher here, or I want to be an engineer. No, what, what are the gifts and talents you have? What are you good at? What do you love? What do trusted people notice you're good at? You love and take that into the different capacities where God has called you. I love that. As we wrap up the interview, I just think that you gave us some really good practical handles on what pursuing calling looks like, especially because post pandemic life, people are kind of re there's like a restart for people. And I think that there's a reset for sure. Yes. Yes. And then a lot of people just don't know where to begin. So how and where would you encourage people to start the journey of a vocational calling and discovering your vocational calling? And then what's the byproduct? So I, this is a two-part question. I know that, but you talk about fears in your book. And I think that we don't talk about the other side of achieving the dream of one of my friends, she, she was experiencing infertility for eight years and she prayed and prayed and prayed that she would get pregnant. And in this miracle situation, she got pregnant. Well, now the baby's three months old and she's exhausted. She has dark circles in her eyes. And she's like, this is the other side of the dream. So you're walking us through vocational calling. The other side of that is stepping into it and the fears that come on the other side of stepping out into this. So you speak about and the reality, right? The reality right. that comes on the other side of that too. Well, I think the first thing you need to do is ask yourself those three questions. What are you good at? And what do you love? And what other people notice you're good at and you love and have a, have some friends help you. Cause some, so often you're like, there's nothing special. I don't know. I'm too close to it. You know, have your friends help you answer those questions. And then I, I say like change is normal. You might not need a reset. You might just need to root into where you are and draw some clear boundaries and advocate for yourself. Sometimes you do need a reset. Not everyone is called to to do something crazy and blow their life up a couple of times. Like I've done, (laughs) like, I feel like God has called me to do. So this, it's not about quitting your job. It's about, okay, do I need to reroute? Do I need to root in? Do I need to reset? Um, You know, you ask yourself, are your value, if your values are clashing with the choices that you're making, I just think you need to take some time to meditate on that and say, is there a way to change this? Or do you think God is calling me to a new direction? And I just think if you have a peace about something, you proceed. If you don't have peace, pause. But on the other side of that peace is fear. I say, expect and anticipate fear. Fear is not something that you conquer. It's not something that you will be cured of or healed of. I think in the Christian, in the faith communities, we feel this guilt the moment that fear starts to creep in. We think there's something wrong with us, that we did something wrong, or maybe it's the spirit telling me that I'm not supposed to take that step. But wait, I thought I had a peace in my spirit, but no, no, don't confuse. You can have a peace in your spirit and you can still be scared as heck about this, this area that God is calling you to. 
So I just like, I'm on a mission in many ways to normalize fear that it's normal, but when God calls you some to something, he equips you, but you have to take the first step. Right. Like, God, I'm going to wait for you to move. No, God is, it, you're getting in your car. You're putting in the directions. You know what the destination is, but you're like the little arrow is it's flipping. Do I go left? Do I go right? You got to start driving. You have to start driving. And then you're like, oh, I need to reroute. It's rerouting me. I got to turn around. You don't know that until you start moving and failure is part of the journey. Michael Jordan said the, the key to success is failure. It's part of it. You're never, you're not going to hit it out of the park all the time, but do you have a piece? Proceed, expect, anticipate fear. Okay. Mm. Failure is normal people, but know that like the destination isn't a job. The destination isn't a bank account. The destination isn't something that you're going to misplace your significance in. Okay. This is, these are just different chapters. You hold it loosely. And I just hold everything loosely because I know that it's not my worth and it's not my value. I know why I'm here. It's to love God and love people. And you know what? God's going to place me on different branches throughout my life. I don't hold any of that tightly. I don't, I, I don't place my identity in it anymore. Mm. And it's given me great freedom to branch out and take risks. I love that. I love that you, to use your language, have imploded your life and you have taught so many people what a reset looks like. You've done it so well. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for documenting your story and giving us faith in the middle of oh, our fears when, when we need to, to reset. So thank you for being on the show. Thank I totally you. appreciate you. Gosh. And look, I don't know when this releases, but the paperback edition of my book just came out and I included in it specifically a discussion guide. It's got a free six week discussion guide within the book. So if you buy the paperback, you get the discussion guide. It'll help you kind of take some of these notes of calling and identity and fear and purpose to the next level. You can do it individually or with a group, but I'm hosting, maybe you can come on with me, Bianca. I'm hosting a called out book club, September 1st to October 6th, every Wednesday, six Wednesdays, 830 to 930. It's free. Anybody can join just, you just need the discussion guide and we're going to have guests on talking about these real things that we're all going through. I love it. Right. You know, out of struggle, not just, not just strength. So maybe you can join me for that. So for it. those that are listening to the podcast, if you go to the show notes, there'll be a link where you can get the book directly on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and anywhere that fine books are sold as well as ways that you can stay up to date with Paula. I have to say that Paula is even sweeter in real life than she was in the podcast where she was an absolute gem. I got a chance to meet Paula at the Global Leadership Summit a few weeks ago, and her warmth and kindness oozes out of her. Not only does Paula have her own podcast, she also has a book walking people through identifying their calling in this season. You can find out about all she's doing by going to paulaferrisofficial.com, or you can check out all the things on social media at Paula Ferris. While you're there, Tag at Paula Ferris and at Bianca Oltoff to share what you are applying to your life and what you've learned in this episode. I know it's always a gift to guests when they know that their words have impacted your life. I also know it's a gift to me. Speaking of gifts, as we roll into our one-year birthday week, it would be a gift to me if you subscribe to this podcast or left a friendly review. Not only does it inform you of when new podcasts are up, it also helps this show get into the ears of new people. I can't wait to celebrate our one-year party with you next week. I know I say it all the time, but I really do mean it. Thanks for listening. Friend.